What up, boys and girls? This is your boy, Prakash Amitraj, and you are about to listen to me on The Brothers on Tennis. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And we are Brothers on Tennis. And we're coming back at you, folks. We <laughs> are into part two of our interview with the one and the only Mr. Prakash Amitraj, man. It got so good, we had to cut it over to a second part, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Bryce, it, are we ready? Let's do it. Well, I tell you what, it's inspirational just to hear somebody connect the dots yes. like that. I mean, yes. that's, I mean, and I guarantee you, our listeners, they had no idea that yes. your hands were in so many different pots, exactly, <laughs> you <right>? know, <laughs> and um, kind of speaking of pots, uh, <laughs> I do, I, I do want to bring up you know, your experience with City Taste of Tennis. And and we were fortunate enough to participate with you a couple of weeks ago with Chef JJ. Yeah. Uh, cooking that chicken curry, which was so man, delicious. Man, oh, man. And, and that Legend how, how series. How funny was Matt, guys? How funny was John? He right? was awesome. <laughs> you know, tell us, how did you get involved with uh, City Taste of Tennis? And, and talk a little bit about the Legend series that you're helping to host. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, Guys, I, I'm just going to add one more little sentence to what we were just finishing on oh. before jumping into this. You know, you talked about being in a few different pies. And look, I, I think everyone should find that line between, uh, you know, not overextending themselves and still mm -hmm. being in, in, being involved in enough things that make them want to jump out of bed in the morning. You know, I struggle to go to bed at night because I'm like, oh, can we can we get back to work, please? <laughs> like that, that's how much I, I love what we're doing. But I will say whether it's within the acting or within the movie world where there are many different jobs, me doing some kind of writing, me doing some kind of acting or producing each thing has helped me be better at the other thing, you mm. know? Um, yeah. So similarly, the the. Uh, the acting has helped me so much in the broadcasting. Yep. You know, the broadcasting and seeing how everything functions there has helped me so much in the producing. You know, and so I would just recommend for anyone out there who has multiple passions, just continue learning. And, and, and the best way to learn is by doing. Don't just always sit on the sidelines with a book. Yes, prep. I am all about prep. I do diligent prep, but jump in. You know, right. you, you, you learn by doing, and I just, I can't enforce that enough because, you know, so you have no idea when certain things are going to help you. I always say my dad, he Miyagi'd me. He Mr. <laughs> Miyagi'd me. Because so many of the things that I'm able to do now, I, I saw him do for 35 years, but I didn't know he was teaching me. <laughs> I was just watching it. You know, because he's the, he's, he's the goat, man, um, in my eyes. But going back to Taste of Tennis, uh, Penny and Judy Lerner. Man, can I can I give them a hug right now on this Absolutely you can on this, on this podcast? First, yes. I gotta give them credit for something that they probably don't know about during my playing days when, you know, when I was out of the tournament, we used to do some partying, you know, back in the day. And man, some of the taste of tennis events in New York, boy, that was some fun. All of the players, we would go eat and drink, and it was just, and it was New York City in the summer. It, it was, I mean, it, it, it really is the premier off-court event. Like, we just had a ball. So that was my experience as a player. And then last year in Miami, you know, we're doing all sorts of content while I'm there, and TC is like, yo, go cover Taste of Tennis. So I showed up there with a camera crew and, you know, didn't, it, there's no set plan, you know. So much of what I was doing last year, this whole Prakash Worldwide thing was, you know, just kind of, go and figure it out. So we're kind of, you know, figuring everything out on the go. So I'd, I'd grab some players, do some stuff on the red carpet, do an opening, do a closing, and kind of cut it together, uh, get some shots of me eating or, or, or whatever. And little did I know, I guess Penny was watching everything I did. That night. <laughs> and, you know, Venus came through, we, 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 me and her had a blast and all this stuff. I guess Penny was just watching. So Penny uh, reached out through another friend and we sat down in Miami later that event I think maybe like on the Thursday or something like that and she just was like you know how she is she's got so much energy and she's just like the kindest person so she was just like listen I, I just I, I love I checked out your Instagram too I just I, I really love uh, what you're about 
And I think so much of what Taste of Tennis is about and so much of what you're about is such a good fit. So I don't know what it is, but I want to find something for us to do together. So I said, I said, great. Uh, I would absolutely love that. So I was traveling last year and, you know, we, we, were, we were close to doing some things, but travel, blah, blah, blah. You know how things are. It didn't work out. Chatted a little bit this year. And then next thing you know, we're, we're in this situation. And Penny had this idea for this legend series. And I'm like, that sounds, that sounds so cool. Uh, and I, I know Mar uh, Maria Sharapova. We used to have the same trainer out in Torrance. So I, I'd see her there. Um, you know, I, I'd go at like six in the morning, then she would come after her and I'd see her. So, uh, you know, I had known her for a little while and I was hoping Johnny Mack would remember me. I mean, he saw me in diapers and then Andy Roddick and I played against him and uh, I think uh, Robert Kendrick at, at Randall's Island once. So I was hoping, you know, he'd be cool with me and he was amazing. He was, and then the last show was Billie Jean King, who I've known forever also. So I'm like, yo, these are the guests. Are you kidding? I would love to do this. <laughs> so, uh, so we, we got started and we finished our last one yesterday and, uh, what a fun experience. I think, I think it went well for, uh, everyone watching. And, um, and I think it's a, it's a really cool combination of stuff because you've had these chefs who, I mean, they're storytellers with what they do. You know, we talked about chef JJ, and, and when he talked about the mixing the cultures together and making this dish, it was, it was beautiful, you know, and then you're able to listen to these stories and, you know, if I can help tie it together in any way, that's, as a fan, that's something I would want to watch, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, you have definitely done a great job. Like I said, we were on the one with you and Johnny Mac and, and, and it was fantastic. It was really great. And, and, and Prakash, I know just kind of talking about culture, kind of can you talk us through just some of the opportunities in which you kind of try to represent your own Indian heritage and some of the things that you kind of have going on or have done? Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I, I think a mistake that a lot of people make is you're always waiting to, uh, uh, I'm using air quotes here, make it or have a big platform before you can say what you want to say or mm -hmm. make a difference or, or represent. That's, that's, that's not it. You know, every single day you wake up and you go out into the world, assuming you're not just staying in your room, you have a chance to be the person you want to be. That's right. Now, now, now that comes down to, I mean, you can, you can be a kind person. You can be a mean person. You can be an inspirational person. You can be a person who, who puts people down. You know, you literally have all the choices in the world. That's like another thing that I just, I'm all about. Every single thing is a choice. Some, yeah. some, some are not good choices, but right. you, st you still got a choice. So taking that into your question, I think we have opportunities all the time. You know, um, I mean, with, with, with the clothing we wear, we make, we make statements, you know, yeah. um, I mean, I, I, I wear, I wear rumble in the jumble, uh, rumble in the jungle shirts you know, uh, all, all the time, you know, and that, you know what, that, that leaves a certain imprint, you know, right. I think, yeah. um, you know, sometimes I'll wear like a, like an old team tennis jacket from 1975 with Pops's name, the LA strings and an Indian flag on the back, you know, <laughs> along with jeans and a shirt, you know, exactly. it, yep. it, it, it's, I, I mean, look, I see someone walking down the street with that. It, it, it tells me, Oh, wow. They're an old school sports fan. They got a love for their roots, history. And, you know, so I think you're always talking, even if your mouth's not moving. Right. That's right. So That's there's, right. There's always an opportunity. And, uh, you know, I think people should just, you know, do it as much as they're comfortable with. Because, you know, you don't look, you shouldn't try to be another person. Some people are more vocal, which is great. Some people are less vocal, which is great. But there's room for everybody. And I think what makes this world, especially this country, and mm. I'm, I'm on your podcast, so I, I will say this nice, nice <laughs> and loud. Yeah, no, put it up there, yeah. There. I, I'm going to say this nice and loud. This, this country, which, you know, when Pops came over in 1972, you want to talk about the land of opportunity? I mean, this is the land where Indian immigrants and all these people would bleed and scrape to get to because it's a place you can make something of yourself and actually become like a champion of life. And now you've seen so many immigrants come and do well here. 
this country is literally based off of multicultural immigrants coming from, you know, different countries. That's literally what this country is like made up of. So I think it behooves all of us to embrace it all. You know, I mean, look, wherever we're living in the States, we have access to the most amazing Chinese food, the most amazing Indian food, the most amazing French cuisine. That's that's what America is. And, you know, I mean, and, and to a large degree, the world. So, you know, I think it's all about embracing that. Yo, you want to show love to your own roots, your own culture. You want to show love to a different culture. Uh, fantastic. But it, it's all about the love, not about the hate. You should be able to love your culture and all the cultures that inspire you without having any kind of hate for any other culture, you know? Say that again so the people in the back can hear it. <laughs> One more time for the people in the back. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> so, uh, so look, what we want to do, yes, we're going to wrap this interview up. This is, I'm telling you what, this has been one of the more insightful interviews oh. that, because you know, oh, you to go into an interview thinking you kind of know everything, right. you know the majority of so. stuff, yeah. and I'm sitting here like, I know nothing about Picasso. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, if we ever, if we ever see each other in person, we can go out for some tequila and I'll give you some really good stories. All right, I'm going to hey, hold you to that. Absolutely. <laughs> that's one of the things that we're, we were very disappointed about yeah. with what happened with you know, Corona is that, you know, part of what we want to do is we want to have an on-site presence. So, you know, we launched last year at the U.S. Open and um, we got a lot of really good attention. Like, as an example, Patrick McEnroe stopped us. He saw our Brothers on Tennis, you know, merchandise. He was like, I like that, you know, Brothers on Tennis, you know. That's where we met Zena Garrison, right in front of uh, Uh, Althea yeah. So once things kind of open back up, we plan to be back out there and to, you know, be a visible uh, presence at these tournaments. Yeah, we're going to find you. Listen, listen, anytime you guys want to chat, you got me. And just make sure you're, you know, going up and, and chatting with, with everyone. There are so many people who would love to talk to you guys. You guys bring out, you know, the best. I mean, I, I, I look, I smile when I hear you guys and you guys make me want to share more and i think the more people from our sport whether they're playing or or not legends of the game whatever they may be it's just it's a beautiful thing you know i, I love i just love what you guys do that is That's, awesome we appreciate thank that, you we right? really do appreciate Absolutely. that so what we're going to do to to kind of end this interview is we're going to tap into your analyst yes. side uh-oh, uh-oh. and um, we have a couple of questions that were submitted by uh, a couple of our followers and then we're going to do a very quick rapid fire to get your gut reaction on a couple of players on tour <laughs> so okay. For the first question we have for you is from one of our our longtime followers. That's A. Gabriel. We're shouting you out. Uh, Gabriel, the tennis kid, he wanted to know, what was your favorite go-to protein food, power food, when you played juniors? You guys want to know the truth? Yeah. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Number four, supersize. Double quarter pounder with cheese. Large fries, large Coke. <laughs> now, should we be telling the juniors that? <laughs> no. I, 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 first of all, that is absolutely not what you want to do. Listen, <laughs> you guys have to understand that this whole nutrition and trying to be professional, that started on the tour, like, like in the middle of my career. Okay? <laughs> it was it was not very professional before that. Oh my God! If I tell you stories from what I heard about the seventies and eighties, oh my God! <laughs> these guys were animals, and they were still you know winning slams. Now everyone is just down to the ounce. Everyone is perfect. So that definitely evolved. I wouldn't recommend that, but yeah, juniors, <laughs> juniors. That was that was it. Designate tournaments on the weekends and some McDonald's. There you go, man. And you know what? And there's nothing wrong with that because what it's saying, uh, Prakash, is that you got to keep it, keep, you know, keep keep your mind right. Right. You got to know that at, at, in the juniors, it, you know, you give yourself a little bit of leeway. So let's, let's be, you know, let's be reasonable. Now, yep. another question that we got uh, from Andrea Barrett, um, and this is in regards to your girl, who you were just talking about, Miss mm-hmm. Serena Williams. Her question is, will Serena get 24, and will Roger 
get another Grand Slam title. Oh, 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 you guys are man. <laughs> okay, okay, listen, I've kept it 100 with you guys the whole time, so why stop now, right? Right. Um, Serena, I believe, is going to get number 24. Okay. Absolutely. Um, just because I, I just, I think the mind of a, of, a, of a player, the heart of a player, when it's at that level of, of being a warrior, I, I literally take impossible out of the equation, you know? Ali had no chance in Zaire. Ali should have never come back to win it the third time. But he was the only person in the entire globe who thought he should and could. Right. You know? So uh, I'm, just, I'm just not in a habit of counting out, you know, legends who have hearts like that. That's you know, right. I, I've seen what Serena can do. I mean, on one leg, I'm still not betting against her. You know? <laughs> and, not, and, not, and not because I think she's that much better than the competition. This is the most exciting time in the entire women's game, by the way, let me say, because right. we got so many girls that can win slams. Schweitek won the French without dropping more than four games in a set, you know? Yeah. Sonia Kennan thinks she should be winning every week. It's a beautiful thing. Everyone's got belief that invincibility thing may not be there for Serena, but right. yo, you, 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 can't, you can't discount a lioness's heart, you know? And I think she's also playing for a lot of other things right now. There's a lot of stuff going on, and, and she knows she has been and always will be a beacon of hope and inspiration. And I think that's just a few more gallons of fuel in, in the tank. So, you know, I'm hoping things normalize a little bit. She gets back to, you know, being able to play a little bit more regularly. I think, I think match play will, will definitely help her because match fit is different than practice fit. And, uh, and lastly, look, she's been right there. You know, yeah, she right. lost a brutal match to Vika in the semis uh, in New York, and Vika lost a brutal match in the finals. You know, yeah. that's yeah. that's a few points here and there. So I'm gonna go with yes on Serena, and let me preface by saying I love <laughs> Roger so much. <laughs> Roger, oh God, what can I say? He is just the guy made a hundred million dollars last year because right, he right. is just. The most perfect human out there. Okay, if I owned MasterCard, I would go beg him to wear it on his shoulder. Okay? Right. But having said that, I think yeah. not playing this year at Wimbledon really hurt him. Right? Because every Wimbledon chance you miss for Roger is, it, that's a huge one. Because yeah, right. I think he's conceded to the fact he's not winning the French. Yeah. Right? Okay. So no. you look at Australia, which, I mean, it's a war over there. You know, it's a war of attrition. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think he's going to have to get lucky with a bunch of straight set wins, maybe squeeze out, you know, one four setter and then see what's left in the tank, you know, for the end. Maybe if the U S opens playing a little quicker, he's got a shot. But the problem is now you got what's happening on the women's side on the men's side. Right. All these young guys are like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're, not, we're not playing for number four over right? here. Okay. Right. We think we can beat anyone. And okay, you guys are the best, but we think we can win. And I think that little bit of thinking you can win or not thinking you can win is, is, is a huge, huge big deal right now. And I mean, look, man, Djokovic, Nadal, they are still just defying everything. Um, right. So, so I, I think it's going to be hard pressed for Roger to get one more. But uh, the last thing I'll say is uh, taking this time off this year, I actually think has been a good thing for Roger. I do too. Because he's been, the best, he's been the best in any sport I've ever seen in my entire life. LeBron's probably uh, up there with him of being intelligent enough to know yourself and how to elongate your career. They do everything they can. LeBron was in his 17th season this year, but he's playing more efficiently than he did 17 years ago in his, in his rookie season. So Fed knows all that. And unlike, you know, a Pete or, you know, some of the other guys who it was a bit of a grind for them towards the end, this dude loves playing tennis. Yes. You know, yeah. he literally loves playing tennis. Like he still enjoys practicing. He still <laughs> enjoys getting out there. So uh, I'll end with those two things, I think, uh, being benefits for him to possibly take another one. Yeah, I don't think we can disagree with anything that, that you said there. And, and, 
anybody that listens to us know that part of the reason why I picked this question is because <laughs> we are huge Serena, well, Williams sisters, yes, and Roger fans. Absolutely. So yeah. you know, um, so okay, so we're going to end on this. We have five players that we want to throw at you with rapid fire and just kind of get what your gut reaction. Uh, feel, experience, thoughts are on them. So cool. here we go. Number one, and number one is in- interesting because it's actually a pair of siblings. Mm-hmm. And that is the Emer brothers. Oh, um, I- I'd say the words that come to mind are uh, low-key, um, very strong athletes, uh, need a little bit more oomph. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that word because it encompasses a, a, a few different things, but um, but yeah, I'm gonna stick with that. I mean, they're they're they got this low key cool about them, you know. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're very low key. They don't they don't try to overdo you know anything on the court. They're kind of you know happy being within within themselves, which I think is pretty cool. Very very uh, very European of them. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I I, I think. They don't have the cleanest strokes out there, so you're gonna have to make up for that with something else. And you know, I, I think uh, we see a little bit of that from Francis, actually. You know, mm-hmm. Francis doesn't necessarily have the most classic strokes out there, right? But man, when, when Francis, I mean, look, I know he had a little bit of a slump, but now he's like, you know, real comeback strong with right. some tournaments this year. He's been playing well in Europe right now. Uh, mm-hmm. by the way, a little shout out to them, him and Zach, they went down, picked up a challenger title takes a yes. lot of part and then come back playing good tennis now. But see, Francis, when he's playing well, he's got that oomph, mm-hmm. you know? He's got that I belong here, I'm willing to die on the court type thing. Mm-hmm. And if that's coming out through the screen, you know the other dude on the other side of the net is feeling it's that. Feeling it. <laughs> right. And, and, and Francis, got, he's got a bit of a physical presence, so I think he makes up for maybe not having the cleanest uh, stroke production out there. I think, I think the Emer brothers could use a little bit of that. Gotcha. Very nice. Very nice. All right. The next player in the rapid fire, Prakash, is Andre Rublev. Uh, maybe the maybe the best timing on the tour right now. This guy weighs. He's probably about uh, uh, ninety-four pounds, completely, <laughs> completely soaking wet. Right. Okay. And and the guy. First of all, he's only got three speeds of hitting the ball. Hard, harder, and hardest. <laughs> right, right. And he, I mean, but I tell you what, like I said, I'm sticking with that. That's the one thing I'm saying about the kid. Uh, he might have the best timing on the tour because to have that kind of frame and get out there and strike the ball like your, your Agassi in 92, I, I don't, I, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. And let me tell you something scary about this kid. He has got belief. Yeah. He does not. He does not step on a court thinking he should lose to anyone. So I, I think it's going to be very special to to see what to see what he does moving forward. All right. Like here's here's a good one for you, Kim Kleisters. Uh, I mean, if you want like a like a like a quick short answer, it's probably like one of the most loved. You know, she's <laughs> she's she's so well liked. Uh, on, on both tours, and look, she played in a different generation than, than the players right now, so you know, she, she was in the time of Roddick, and you know, I used to see her around, she went out with Hewitt earlier right. in her career, so it was just a completely different generation, but listen, she, she's proved that impossible is nothing, you know, coming back and winning a slam after, after having a child, which, which I think is so great, because more, more mothers need that. You know, uh, I think it's a symbol that mothers can they can go out there and be CEOs and they can go out there and, you know, win grand slams. It 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 doesn't have to be, you know, I had a kid. Everything's got to slow down now. So she's been a great symbol. Um, I think she's man. She's going to have to do some some brutal off court work to to kind of get back to a good level. She played some good matches, I think, against Muguruza and and some other people. But it's. The women's game is brutal right now, man. Yeah. You know, it, it, you got to be so physical. And these girls out there, they are such great athletes. I love watching. I mean, you see Svitolina sliding around the court like she's on skates <laughs> and, you know, slapping the ball all over the place, 100 miles an hour. It, 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 it's, it's, it's brutal out there. So I think uh, I'll leave it with uh, 
absolutely well loved by everyone, but um, definitely a, a uphill climb at the moment. Nice. And I find it interesting that you brought up Spitalina because the next person we have on our list is Gael Monfils. Gael Monfils is my boy. <laughs> I, just, I, I love this dude. I love this dude, and I dare you to challenge me someone on the tour who does not love this dude. Right. He is the kind of guy who will bring non-tennis eyeballs to tennis. And that is... We need that in spades. Yes. So uh, th there's one more guy who I was about to talk about, but I hope he's on your rapid fire list. So I'm gonna keep quiet in case you guys bring him up. But finishing up with Monfils, uh, listen, I can't say enough about the guy. Love the dude, unbelievable personality. Um, maybe I'm trying to think who else, if anyone tops him as, as the best athlete on the tour in his prime easily the best athlete on the tour, uh, even even at his age now, still could be the best athlete on the tour. I will say I'm a little bit bummed because of the pandemic, because I thought earlier this year, yeah. this guy was playing, top, not top 10, top five tennis. Yep. When, he, when he had those match points against Djokovic in Dubai, all yeah. yep. oh, the, oh. the, the, quali the quality of that match? Oh so, my goodness. yeah, I, Prakash, I'm trying to tell you, I said the exact same thing when we were having our telecast. I said, Guillermo Feast yeah. is playing Grand Slam tennis, right. ten, uh, yeah. uh, tennis. It was wonderful. So good. And I tell you what, shameless plug, we've had production meetings where we have said, Guy Monfils is the guy we want to get on this show. Absolutely. So if yeah. you hear, if you hear our phone ring, Prakash, <laughs> we call and uh, tap into you to get us into uh, Guy L. I'm gonna just put it out there on air. <laughs> That's what we try uh, to do. Uh, uh, listen, holler at your boy. If I'm at a tournament, I'm next to him. I just put you guys on speaker. Oh, that's right. awesome. I like that. We, we love Gael and actually Sanga. Those, oh, those yeah. two guys, yeah. we, we, we love them. So, you know what? It's funny. By the way, just uh, a quick thing on Sanga. Uh, for, like, for like a decade, you know, because I, I don't really have a favorite player, you know, because I think you have a favorite player more when, when you're a kid, you know, and you're looking up to guys. So my favorite players growing up, it, to this day, it's, it's Becker and Sampras, you know, because I grew up on that. But having said that, man. Last 15 years, my, my favorite player out there, it really might have been Joe Willie. Because he was he, he was like from that old school, yeah. dude, I, I will attack and come to the net from 10 feet behind the baseline, I don't care, mentality. You, know? you like Joe Willie because he looked like Muhammad Ali. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, did, I did an interview with him. I did call him Baby Ali. I did. I did. <laughs> and, we, and we both flexed for the camera. That was a good piece. I will that say that. That was awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> So our very last one is Naomi Osaka. Oh my goodness! I could not believe you didn't throw Nick Kyrgios in there. Okay, we're, okay. We're, we're gonna do a we're gonna do a bonus for Kyrgios. <laughs> we're gonna do a bonus because we know you wanted to go there or not. Put uh, you Naomi first. <laughs> Naomi Osaka. Uh, uh, funny little story. Uh, her agent Stu Dugood asked me to host her. Uh, business partner summit that she had at the end of last year at, at the Riviera Country Club um, in, in, in Los Angeles. So um, I was, I was, I literally did, you know, one-on-ones on stage with the heads of all of the companies that she's partners with. And wow. these are, these are behemoths, right? Um, I did a, I did a one-on-one -on -one with uh, Mav Carter on stage too, which was really insightful, really cool too, really cool dude. Um, but it goes to show you what a uh, – uh, I'm at a loss for words to describe the impact that this young lady is having, not just on the business world, but as we've seen this year on uh, culture and, and, and on boys and girls, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. um, it, and I told – it's funny. I texted her agent this after she won the Open, and I said – I don't actually think she knows what she's done these two weeks, mm -hmm. but I just want you to know how special it is. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, she's going to realize at some point down the road, I think she's in a beautiful spot right now of kind of acting from her gut, not mm -hmm. necessarily knowing why she's doing certain things. 
And I think she's leading with her heart. And that's why she's, she's doing some spectacular things out there. And look, she's going to get a ton of criticism because, you know, that's the price you pay for, for being in that spot. But I, I, I think, I think she's, she is a game changer and will continue to be a game changer moving forward. Um, when you have that kind of plan and you're willing to use it, come, come hell or high water, uh, some, some good things are going to happen. You're going to break some eggs on the way to get in there, but some beautiful things are going to happen. So um, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Ditto. So are we. I mean, yeah. I mean, we, of course, going into the U.S. Open, wanted Serena to win it. Of Correct. Course. Right. Um, but the fact that when she was bringing out the mask and basically saying, you know, for every match, I'm just going to wear a new mask. And I want, you know, to, to tell to just try and, and bring that awareness out. I, I, to me, I was like, yeah, if Serena can't win it. I absolutely want Osaka in that final, and I want her to win it because, yep. like you said, she's leading by her heart, and and it's just it's such a beautiful thing to see. It's, it was beautiful. Absolutely. And by the way, let, let's talk about the pressure there for a minute. The minute right? you declare that you're gonna do that, yep. first of all, you know you got you know you a million haters. Right. Who no. are on their tippy toes waiting, waiting. for you to fall on your face. Yep. And in spite of that, you still go out there, wear a different mask each time, and go out there and take the title. That, I mean, when you can, it's one thing to say it, quite another thing to do it, you know? I, I love when she was responding to people saying, you know, she should stay out of politics and just stick to playing tennis. And she said, you know what? It is my personal goal. To win so much, to make sure you have to see me as much as you possibly can, and 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 I just yeah, I just have so much respect for her. We were feeling a certain kind of way about her when the whole Sasha split thing happened because we didn't know what was going on there. But you know, when she had that moment with Coco Golf after you know yeah. uh, that match at the U.S. Open, um, you know that just. You know, we, we fell right back in love with her and then this whole, you know, cultural situation going on now. Yeah, we're just huge, huge fans yes. of Miss Osaka. I, I can't remember the exact wording. I know she tweeted it. I'm not quite sure if she put it on her Instagram. But, um, you know, if you, if you dig through her tweets, you'll, you'll find it. And uh, I, I remember screenshotting it because it is, it is an exact definition of, of exactly how I feel. I'm uh, I'm just trying to find it here. You know what? I actually can't find it on IG. You guys can find it at some point. Um, it's definitely in her Twitter. She literally said, I would like to thank my ancestors because yeah. it's because of their blood running through mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. which yep. is the reason I basically realized I can't lose. Right. right. I, I saw that. I, did, I remember and when she posted that. I, I, yeah. I just, it gave me goosebumps because I don't think I could have described how I feel and, and why I work so hard uh, any better. Like, I literally think about things my grandmother did 55 years ago when I'm in the gym at 3.30 in the morning, you know, to be able to spur me on. And for her to say that, put that out there, I just, uh, I, I'm a fan. I just loved it, man. That was awesome. So here, we're going to clear the stage now for this last one. And, and Isaac and I have already looked at each other and said, okay, we're going to have our producer make this a part one and part two interview because we have just gotten our gab on uh, today and we're happy about yeah, it. I, I apologize, guys. No, you guys, you guys not at all. the talker in me, you know? Listen, no, this is great. This is Love great. It. Love it. But uh, we are so interested in what you have to say about Mr. Nicholas Curious. Yes. <laughs> yes. Kigs. Kigs. Uh, I, I think, and I'll start with the boldest statement first and then just, you know, give you my thoughts. I, I really think he's one of the best things to happen to the sport. I, by, I by, by, by a long shot. First mm -hmm. of all, he's, he is a great, great dude. Right? He is a really, really great dude. And he is literally the things that move him the most are giving people, uh, giving to people, helping people, inspiring people, and especially kids. Yes. Right? 
And he's also a giant dog guy, which you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's speaking my language. I wish I could rescue right. every dog in the world. <laughs> uh, but, but this guy, I think he's, he 100% gets an unfair rap. And I'm not sure if, if I mean, look, you guys know it. I mean, you guys, uh, your intention is very different. You know, you guys, you operate from love, you know? I mean, that's not to say we can't criticize people. I mean, you know, right. uh, we all we yeah. all have opinions. And, yo, even when you guys, you know, uh, 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 throw on some criticism or whatever, yo, it's still all from love, you know? Right. And, and, and I see that, and that's why I love it. So it's like, yo, great. You know, you're entitled to all the opinions. What I can't stand is there are a lot of people who, I'm not saying you have to have played the game to uh, earn a level of respect to be able to speak about it, but regardless, whether you're Jim Courier or you're someone who's never touched a racket in their life, there's got to be a sense of respect for someone who is putting themselves on the line in front of the world all the time, right? right. Mm-hmm. And, and look, I, 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 like, I'll just go off on a tangent for a minute here, like I've done this entire hour. I, <laughs> I, I, I detest when commentators uh, or, or analysts, whatever, use the word journeyman. I, oh, I, I, yeah. I just hate it. Because guess what? Someone who's 50 or 150 or 250 still busted their ass to get right. there. And right. they are still a billion times better than, you know, any other player you've seen at, at a college level. If someone's ranked 250 in the world, they are playing in the NBA if they're playing basketball. <laughs> right, right. And all of a sudden over there, it's, oh, man, you made it to the league? It's a different, it's a different uh, conversation. So I just want to take that whole respect first and kind of put that on Nick's name because I think everyone's like, oh, this guy doesn't try. Oh, if he just focused, blah, blah, blah. Now, on the other hand, I'll say I think a lot of people maybe feel that way because of how uber stupidly talented the guy is. So, you know, maybe they, maybe they do feel that way. But let's just take a step back here for a minute, too, on, on – okay? Uh, I, I told you guys a lot about my sort of life story and, and, and so forth. There was a lot of maturing and finding yourself and self-awareness that, you know, I didn't really start feeling comfortable with until, like we talked about, 28, 29, 30. And, and I feel 10 times more confident in it now than I did four years ago. And God willing, four years from now, I'll feel more than I do now. Everyone's got to remember, which I don't think a lot of people take this into consideration when they're watching sport. When we watch sport, we are watching boys and girls from 15 years old, generally up to about 30. For anybody else, that is the time period where they are allowed to make the biggest mess-ups, right. they are allowed to right. behave terribly, and nope. no one says anything or uh, makes it difficult for them to go and do their, uh, you know, their, their junior partner job at a marketing firm, right? Mm-hmm. They just right. go do what they do, then they can focus on work. Yep. It's a little bit different here. So I think putting that kind of uh, disrespect, pressure, whatever you want to call it, I think is unfair. And look, it happens to a lot of different athletes, but I do think Nick gets a lot more than than he deserves. And look, on the other side, look, I'm not just you know completely going one way on this. Yo, Nick doesn't behave well all the time. I mean, I was in Rome last year. <laughs> the guy loses his serve. He goes and pulls a Bobby Knight and chucks the chair course the guy's gonna get suspended but yes. do do i do i think he necessarily deserved a what was it he got like a six month or or six week suspension something like that yeah mm, yeah a L- little bit little bit excessive but you know what that, that i think that went towards the rules if you get x amount of violations or whatever you it's an automatic you know suspension for a little time and that was that was probably just a a a, a rule book thing which i get but anyway the the overarching thing is um I think he, he gets unfairly judged sometimes. I think if the media as a whole kind of made him feel a bit more comfortable to, you know, let a little bit more of Nick out, I think we'd all see the, uh, the beautiful parts that, uh, of Kyrgios that he is. 
You know, I think he's a great value to the game, even if he doesn't win a Grand Slam. Mm -hmm. Because the eyeballs on him right now are as if he won a Grand Slam at 17 like Becker. And, you know, he's, he's, he's you know, consistently been in the top five and so forth. That's the kind of eyeballs he's had on him, even though that's not the kind of results he's had. That right. should show you how special the kid is, right. you know? So I think we should give him a little bit of freedom. And, and on another note, yo, this guy has got so much flavor. And, <laughs> and, 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 and honestly, something that the sport doesn't see on a regular basis because so many players are trying to be like someone else. And I'm not saying, yo, you should be like this, you should be like this. No, I am saying, yo, everybody, be you. Like, as unadulterated as possible, if you are quiet and let your racket talk for you, be quiet. Let your racket talk for you. If you are loud and want to talk to the crowd and tell jokes, be Fabio Fonini. Fonini <laughs> Fonini is one of the most charming guys I've ever met. And this is still the same guy who occasionally says some awful stuff on the court. But you know what? I wouldn't change Fabio for anything. I love watching the guy play. So I think Nick's a good example of, yo, let the boys and girls be who they are. I think that would be the best thing for the sport. You take it back to the 70s where the sport was like, you know, at its height of popularity. Dad always talks about it. You know how many different characters you had? You had Borg, who was the Iceman. You had Nastasi, who was this complete hothead. You had McEnroe, who was from Queens, who uh, took the hothead to the next level. You had Guillermo Vilas, who was a poet. The guy literally would write poetry and, you know, kind of expressed it out there on the court. You had John Lloyd, who was, I think, ranked around 20, but he was like this, you know, flamboyant, you know, great-looking uh, playboy from the UK. You... So many different characters. You had, you know, Connors, who was like this this boxer out on the tennis court. It, I, I, we need that, and quite frankly, I think we have that. We just have to let the players feel free to be able to do that. You know. Well, you know what, Prakash, since we made the decision that this is going to be a two-part interview, if you wouldn't mind, you made me think about another player that I'm very interested in your your thoughts. What about Jack Sock? Um, man, uh, the last time Jack Sock's name came out was about uh, a couple weeks ago when I was doing commentary for the French, and I think Leif Shiras, uh, we were doing the semis, turned over to me, and we were talking about Nadal and his RPMs, and we were like, who do you think has the most forehand uh, besides Nadal? And first name that came to mind was Jack Sock. And uh, he's the kind of guy who, I mean, man, he when he puts his stuff together, he, he's a consistent top tenor. Yeah. You know? He, he literally has the weapons to win a Grand Slam. You know? These are the things that are tough to develop. Um, I, I think it was, it was either Courier or Roddick. I forget. One of them was saying this. I know for a fact they both agree with this. I just can't remember who said it. But being in shape is not, uh, it's not a talent. It's a choice. Right. You know? Uncle so, Jack. <laughs> but, 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 having, but having weapons, you can work at stuff. But let's face it, some guys you know, have been sprinkled with a little bit more magic dust than, than some other guys. Right? <laughs> right, that's so, right. so Jack Sock's forehand, Jack Sock's serve, this guy was hitting 140 when he was you know, 18 years old. You know? He won Kalamazoo and came straight out. He, he was hitting 140. You know, wow. and, and, and his forehand was that big. The guy cruised through challengers, boom, shot up to the tour level. Now, look, <laughs> I get it. When you, when you win Paris and then make the Nitto finals, it, yo, you can have that sophomore slump. You know, right. all right. of a sudden you expect, you know, even bigger and bigger and better. But it's almost easier to go there. It's a little bit tougher to stay there, you know. Right. Yep. And look, bottom line, I think Jack's got it in him. Um, Probably the biggest, you know, talent we've got on the American side that we've seen in some time. I know we have some younger guys now who, you know, uh, that, that's a whole different story. The Opelkas and, and, and so forth. But Jack Sock has the weapons to win a slam. I think one of the best things for him is his current coach. I played my entire junior career and pro career with Alex Bogomolov. I think mm. Alex Bogomolov is fantastic for Jack Sock. You know why? Because he's the kind of guy 
who did not have the weapons that right. Jack Shock gotcha. had. But right. this dude loved the taste of blood. Yeah. <laughs> and and let me tell you that that is that is a skill that an asset that everyone needs to harness. Nadal with all his four million dollar boats and however many <laughs> you know private claims he's got, this guy is willing to bleed every time he gets out on the court. And you know uh, when you got weapons like Jack Scott, if you can harness those couple things, the fitness, the you know the grit. Man, sky's the limit. Sky's the limit for the kid. That is awesome. Yeah. And, and Prakash, I'm, I promise, I'm going to ask you one last very quick question. Do you, do okay. you, do you ever be interested in coaching? Mm, good one, Isaac. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I don't think I could do it in the sense that, that you're talking about, which mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, to go to go full time and and really be with someone and travel with someone simply because, you know, I love I love all what I'm doing and I think I was increasing everything. On, I got this like expression: keep putting stuff on your plate until it's too much, and then you can take a little off, and then you 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 got that nice right Thanksgiving plate, you know. Okay. And I think uh, in that journey we talked about from from 30 to now. I've kept putting stuff on my plate and, and I'm so thankful and happy with the way it's looking right now. So <laughs> I don't think I could travel and do it, but would I like to help someone, especially, especially on the mental side of things? 1000%. Yeah. Um, only because, and this is how my speaking started at, at USC and uh, different colleges and high schools. It really started because I called Peter Smith up one day, literally when I was 30, I had written this like eight page thing of, you know, I keep a journal and, and all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, yo, coach, I want to come and talk to the boys. He's like, uh, okay, P. We had never done this before. Brings me in, jump into the team room. And uh, I mean, it helps. These kids didn't know me, but there was a picture of me in the back, you know, with that the 2002 trophy. So at least they had a <laughs> with respect on the boy's name. I sat there and the gist of it was, God, if I knew what I knew at 30, at 18, yeah. man, I feel like the whole world would be a different place. So that's how that started. And, and look, you see it, man. When you see old video interviews of Jordan, Nadal, all the greats, they sound at 18 like, like a regular 35-year-old does because they're so, they know exactly what it is for them. So, you know, if there's any way I can help and kind of channel that, for any player, boy or girl, it's like, like I, I even tell Ali all the time when I was uh, working with her, like all these talks, uh, they might even be helping me more than they're helping you. <laughs> I, I just, I love, I love being a part of it. Like, you know, yeah. friends of mine will just call and vibe on these things. And I think that's what, that's what a lot of players are, are missing, you know? Um, that was probably the strongest thing that I found with uh, Venus and Serena. Like, like seeing how they function and, you know, their values and beliefs. I'm like, yo, you are stepping onto the court with all that. That's that's the most beautiful armor I I would ever want to go into war with, you know, and whether it's sport or any of the goals that you're chasing in life, I just think it's, it's constant development that you gotta be, you gotta be working on literally all the time. And, uh, man, I, I just, like, the biggest thing I think we're battling is time, you know? Right. Like, I mean, look, look at Kobe, look at Chadwick. I, I cried all, I mean, I thought I cried when Chadwick died, yeah. you know? Same. But, Same. but, gentlemen, let me tell you, we are going to remember his name forever. That's mm-hmm. right. That's so right. The work he left and the imprint he left and his code that yeah. I'm talking about, we will, children will remember that, That's you right. know? So I'm just like, yo, boys and girls, we all don't have a lot of time. Let's, let's put it together as quickly as we can. Mm-hmm. You know, let's learn from guys who have been there and either succeeded or even not succeeded, you know, and, and just put your own code and put your own puzzle pieces together. So long story, sh- I mean, long story long, I would, love to, <laughs> I, I would love to, but just more in a, in, more in a sort of, I guess, mental uh, uh, way, you know. I think physically, yeah. I can't be in a million places at once, but it would uh, it would be really cool because to see someone find it 
and put it together and kind of work in line with their purpose. I, I just think it's one of the most beautiful things, and that is contagious. Then another person feels it. Then another person feels it. Right, and right. In a, in a, small, a small way, the world starts getting affected in a really positive way. I mean, look, we've talked about him a bunch of times now. Look at Ali. Ali is making me better every single day, and he's been gone since uh, June 2016, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I tell you what. Well, Prakash, first of all, we want to thank you because you have given us a good portion of your evening yes. today to talk to not only us, but to our listeners. And, and, and I'm sure Isaac will agree. This interview has absolutely lived up to everything <laughs> we thought it was going to be. And then some. I'm telling you, man, we've learned. We've been inspired, man. You are just such an inspiring dude, man. It's so good talking with you and just hearing your stories, hearing your journey. It, it is, it's just given us a lot to, to really think about and to really put into our own you know, lives to, to, to just continue to you know, do all and be all that we can be, man. Thank you so much, Prakash. Absolutely. And when all of this Rona... <laughs> go ahead and do what it's gonna do right you know we can't wait to actually meet you in person and grab that drink with you because uh you are definitely our kind of people for yes, sure so I, I i appreciate that guys and and all the kind words you had you know for me my work and just you know what the what i'm trying to do i could not be more grateful and and just just you guys as well man i, I feel the same way you guys, uh, you know, I can, I can feel how genuine you guys are. And that goes into that whole, you know, be you as much as you humanly can. It's contagious. Right. It helps right. everyone. So I love that you guys are doing it. And I love that you guys are spreading the love for the game, which I still think has so much uh, room to grow. So thank you, man. Got, got nothing but love for you guys. Right. So, look, hang on for just a second, uh, Prakash. Don't leave yet. Uh, Isaac, we're going to go ahead and shut this down. So, uh, Prakash has the distinct um, pleasure of being our first two-part Yes. Uh, serious <laughs> interview. Yes. Our, our producer has been angling for this for a while, so yes. he's finally going to get it. <laughs> but to our listeners, thank you for listening. We're going to continue to bring you some exciting interviews as we enter into the off-season, if you will, uh, for the tennis world. Um, so keep tuned for that. Isaac, any final words that you have for tonight? No, just uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll be coming back at you very soon. All right, so this has been your boy Bryce. And this is your boy Isaac. And we are Brothers on Tennis. Everyone, take care. Mm -hmm.